What do you think of when you think of your family? What would maybe others say about your family? Are you a family of unshakable faith, creativity, hospitality, maybe even fun? In today's episode with Kimberly Amici, we are going to be looking at our own family culture, what that means, how to establish it and maintain it, and how we can use it to build God's kingdom. Here we go. Welcome to episode number 44 of the Faith School Podcast with Leah Rempel. This podcast is for women of faith who are ready to put their faith into action in every area of their life and to claim the name of Kingdom Builder. This practical podcast is not just a list of how-tos, but it's here to prompt you to take action and adopt the Kingdom way of life, surrender to a holy God. My name is Leah and I'm joining you in the messy middle of a surrendered faith. Come on in, take a seat, class is now in session. To those of you who are new to the podcast, welcome. And to my old faithfuls, welcome back. When I think of my own family culture, I think of the four pillars that we have established over time. This has been a very intentional practice of making sure that we have values put into place that help us make decisions and give us vision for being on mission together. It's a beautiful way to unite the family and remind us of our purpose in Christ. And the good news, this can be something that you can have too. And today's episode is like the starter pack for this very thing. You may want to take some notes for this one. Make sure you grab a pen and paper. My guest today is an entrepreneur, designer, and podcast producer. She is the founder of Build Your Best Family, which helps people live a life of purpose with the ones they love and become the family they were meant to be through podcasts, courses, and personal coaching. Kimberly writes at KimberlyAmici.com. She lives with her husband, Carl, and their three teenage daughters in the New York City suburbs. Please welcome my guest, Kim Amici. Before we get into the conversation with Kim, at Face School, we have wanted to dig into different areas of life and to really find the connection between each category and our faith in Christ and building his kingdom. We have called this integrated faith. And at this point, you might be wondering what areas of your life that you can reflect his character and kingdom. We would say all of them. (laughs) This may seem a little overwhelming, but we have something to really get you started and get the wheels turning. Our integrated faith inventory is a fabulous quick tool that will give you many common areas of life that you can begin to ask and evaluate. Have I surrendered this to the Lord? Where do I see his character and kingdom reflected in my life? So head over to the link in our show notes and grab a copy to get started integrating your faith today. All right, let's talk about family culture with my friend, Kimberly Amici. Well, welcome, Kim, to Faith School Podcast. I'm so honored to have you here, and I'm really excited because I'm just starting recording all of my culture series here with you. So this is going to be really, really fun. So the first question I always ask is, what are some of your roles right now, and where are you recording from? Well, I am so excited to be here. Thank you so much for having me. Um, Okay, so I am a wife and a mom of teenagers, right? That's what you're talking about, roles? Mm -hmm. Yes. (laughs) (laughs) I have some other roles, but we're not going to talk about those. Um, Yes, a wife, I'm a mom of a teenager, of three teenagers, and 
I guess when I think of roles, I, I have in my bio that I'm a designer because my background is design and architecture, and I, I get my hands into that whenever I can. But um, after staying home to be with my children, I became a writer, and then I became a podcaster, and now I'm a family culture coach. And so when I think of all of the roles and the things I'm doing, there's a whole bunch, but I, I wouldn't have it any other way because I love going back and forth between those roles yeah. and just embracing them fully. So that's awesome. And I am in New Jersey. (laughs) That's awesome. Yeah. Oh, cool. Cool. Okay. So you mentioned your family culture coach, and that Mm -hmm. is uh, a lot of the reason I asked you to be here today. I just think that's such a a really cool concept. It's something that I think maybe my husband and I were already kind of doing, but I love that you have just kind of expanded my idea of what that really looks like and what that means. And so Mm -hmm. just to get everybody on board, could you give us a bit of a definition and maybe like a history as to how you ran into family culture? Yeah. So, okay. So I'll tell you how I fell into it first. So there was a time when my kids were little that we were definitely stressed out. We were overwhelmed. We were doing a ton of good things, but we weren't really going anywhere on purpose. Mm. Um, Basically we were just putting out fires, trying to make it through the week, trying to make it through the month. We were doing a lot of good things. Um, We were involved in our church. I was involved at school, but we weren't, like I said, going anywhere on purpose. We were going Mm -hmm. in multiple different directions. We were just trying to keep up. And I got this brilliant idea that I was going to create a family mission statement because that was going to solve everything. And I had yeah. seen it in all these Christian websites and it was trending <laughs> and it was on Pinterest. And, you know, I started to do some research and I did some work and I figured out what my values were, and my passions were and what we wanted for our family. And it was fun. But then we wrote the mission statement and we forgot about it mm-hmm. and nothing changed. So part of my research. And when I got kind of back online to figure out like, well, what the heck's going on? And did I create a right, you know, mission statement? And, you know, how does this all work? I basically discovered culture Mm. and how like you had to have an understanding. Most businesses and organizations have an understanding of their culture in addition to like what their mission and their vision statement is. And so I started to see that there was like a bigger picture here that there was something that had a little bit more power than just a paragraph to say who we wanted to be, that there was something else that needed to change. And so it was that basic understanding of what made, as I was, I began learning and understanding what made organizations thrive, what made ministries thrive, what made businesses thrive. And so a lot of my early work in what I do and the things that we saw happen that were amazing in our family came from all the research I did on businesses and organizations and leadership. And so I was like, oh my goodness, like if we took what family, if we took culture and we applied these concepts and we approached our family in the same way that we approached our business or our our workplace environment, and we brought that into our family, what changes could we see? Mm -hmm. And so as we started to learn more about culture and as I dug in deeper, I was like, oh my gosh, this is like the missing component essentially. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And so what culture is, and I know that people understand that definition when they, they talk about businesses, but Mm -hmm. when you translate it into family, it's essentially what your kids can expect when they come home from at the end of a long day. It's base, It's what your relatives can count on when they see you during the holidays. It's what mm-hmm. friends know they'll experience when they stop by. Um, if we think of our favorite companies, we can immediately tell you like 
what their store smells like, what you're going to feel when you leave the store, how you're going to feel when they're there, what level of customer service you're going to get. And you know that no matter what location that you go to, that those same elements are going to be present. Mm -hmm. So this idea of how do they sustain that? How do they duplicate that? And how do we then apply those principles to our family? Yeah. Yeah. I love that. I love that so much. I've kind of thought about dynamics like that, like a business as well. And I know we've kind Mm -hmm. of applied some of that to our household and it is, it changes things. It really changes things. So how have you seen your family thrive off of a really intentional family culture? Yeah. Well, there's, there's so many things that we've seen Um, in terms of family. I've just seen an increase in a sense of belonging Because what family culture does is it tells you you're a part of something bigger than yourself. It tells you that you have a part to play and that your role matters. And so I've seen just within my children, them gain a sense of belonging. Mm -hmm. Um, It also has helped tremendously with decision-making. One of my favorite things about it is when you, you can figure out what to say yes to and what to say no to based on your values. Mm -hmm. So it takes all of the stress out of, do I sign up for this? Do we attend this? You know, it just streams line that that's entire process, which mm-hmm. takes a lot of the anxiety out of making decisions. Mm-hmm. Um, and even with my husband, and I have examples of some of these I can share, even with yeah. my husband, it's, it's, we argue less now. Yeah. So instead of addressing like the other person's behavior that annoys us, we're saying, Hey, don't we believe X, Y, and Z. And so we address the value and then we're able to shift our perspective and it's less us against each other and more of like, are we living up to that value? Yeah. So there just is a cohesiveness and I think just a, almost a contentment, you know, it's not perfect, mm-hmm. but I've seen such a difference in our family because we now know what we stand for. We know how to lean into it and it's just helped us to really grow. Yeah. I love that. I love all of that. Yeah. I was going to ask in particular with your marriage, because I was going to say same for us. It's helped us kind of get on the same page and know what we're working towards. Um, Mm -hmm. And so would you want to expand a little bit on your marriage and just sure. uh, and examples yeah, of how it's, how it's helped? Yeah. So um, the story I like to share is um, there was one, one winter when we had a huge snowstorm mm-hmm. and in all honesty, my husband is not the husband that's out there at 6am shoveling the driveway so that we could go sledding. Like he's not, he's like, Oh, great. I can stay in bed all day. Like, <laughs> so <laughs> in all honesty, I was like, "Mm, mm," you know, whatever. Anyway, so my son had wrestling practice that day. You know, it was, the storm was passed. So it wasn't like, oh, no one's on the road. The storm had passed. We, it was getting close to his practice time. And I was like, you know, I don't know. Like, are you going to practice? And he's eight years old. He's not like on a competitive, he wasn't on a competitive team. There was no like final championships coming up, but we had said, this is what's important to us. One of the, re- one of the practices that we have designated that goes along with what integrity means to us is that we honor our commitments, even when it's hard. Mm. And so I could have been the naggy wife that was like, are you going to get up and you shovel the driveway? You never shovel the driveway. And now we have places to go. And now are we going to go like, mm-hmm. or, and I was waiting for him to be like, why do we have to go? Like, and he did say a little bit of this, like, no, one's going to be there no big deal. It's okay Mm -hmm. to miss it. Mm -hmm. And so we could have immediately gotten into an argument, but I did, I was, I was able to say to him, like, are we teaching our son to honor our commitments only when it's convenient or 
all the time. Mm-hmm. You know, mm-hmm. at the end of the day, there was really no good reason that we couldn't get off off the couch, shovel the driveway, take him there. There were other kids there. Other people managed to find their way there. Yeah. But instead of having a miserable morning, a miserable afternoon, sending our son off to wrestling practice with his parents fighting, we were able to go, yeah, that is what we want to teach our kids. Is mm-hmm. it convenient? Is it easy? Is it what we want to do? No, but let's put that value in the forefront instead of pointing fingers at one another. Yeah. That's so good. That's so good. It it really does bring a focus. And okay. So I love that we can apply this, like any family can apply this mm-hmm. idea of values and, and family culture. Mm-hmm. But when it comes to a family who values faith, mm-hmm. where and how have you seen the importance of family culture in scripture or just in living a life of faith? How have yeah. you seen that family culture benefit? So when it comes to faith and family culture, it's just the same as any other value. That's how we treat it. So family culture is that's just the way we do things. And yeah. so when it comes to our children, it's it's just a non-negotiable. It's what we do. Like mm-hmm. they know that if they get up before seven, they will see me in the living room reading my Bible on the couch. And obviously my kids are older now. I know it's really difficult to do that when you have young kids, but it's been years of me creating that discipline. They know that we're going to pray. Even if we have strangers over for dinner, we're going to pray because that's what we do over a meal. Mm-hmm. Um, they know that if they come to me and they're stressed out about something, I'm going to pray for them. I'm going to like, you know, give them some coaching tips, but then I'm going to say, Hey, let's just pray about this. They know that we're going to go to church. They know that they're going to go to youth group. They know, like, they just know these things. It is just the way we do things and you make it a part of what you do Mm -hmm. and like culture becomes what you can expect. And so, you know, we haven't done anything spectacular in terms of like teaching our kids faith or passing down faith. We've had seasons where we've been more successful than others when it comes to family devotionals, but really we've just lived it yeah. and it's just the way it is. And yeah. so that's how faith has really been incorporated in our life and seeing it through the lens of culture. It's something that it's a non-negotiable and you continue to do. Mm-hmm. Um, I was trying to look up I was thinking about this when I was preparing for this interview, this idea of family culture in scripture, and I have yet to find any verses on family culture in scripture. Mm -hmm. However, um, I do keep reminding myself uh, at times about the Israelites in the Old Testament and how God set them apart. And my theology may not be exact, but there were cultural laws that he gave them that was meant to set them apart, not because... They had to do them and they were so dire and, and and rules that were meant to be stuck with. It's because they were meant to do things in a certain way that set them apart from the outlying nations. Mm-hmm. And so I believe that God cares about family culture. I believe that he cares about deciding who we are and then leaning into that, whether it's, you know, a call in our life or how we're supposed to impact the community with who he's created us to be. And we can't do that effectively. We can't be a part of each other's lives and point them towards Christ. If we ourselves are not leaning into who he's called us to be in order to um, do something well, I believe we need to do it with intention and we need to do it with focus. And so what I love is that we have decided because we've figured out our family values and what's important to us. We know the exact ways that we 
love and serve our neighbor. Mm -hmm. And then we don't have to do all those other things. We don't have to go chasing after all those things that we think we should be signing up for, or that we should be volunteering in. We take that lane that God has given us, those desires and those things that he's put in our heart, and we lean into them. So we love hospitality. So we're always open to host connect group or host, you know, our church rent space. So we're always happy to have an event here. Um, We're always happy to have, um, you know, people from our children's school here. You know, we've become the go-to house if somebody needs, you know, to host a party. Yeah, That's the way we feel God has chosen us to love and serve our community and our neighbors. And we can't lean into that if we have a wishy-washy idea of what it is that we're doing together as a family. Absolutely. It seems like it's what keeps you guys on mission just that intentionality. I often talk about on here just that we are meant to be living a life on mission for God. And that is infused into everything that we're doing. And that's what it is, right? Like that whole idea of being set apart and knowing why we're doing what we're doing. That's living a life on mission. So I love that. All right. Well, I want to get really practical as we like to do here. And for you guys, how do you guys keep your family culture? Like what are some of the rhythms or practices mm-hmm. that you have found kind of the most helpful in sustaining it? Cause I think a lot of people, like you said, they write that mission statement, they have those, the list of whatever, but then it kind of gets forgotten mm-hmm. and it's kind of just a, this mysterious thing floating around. Yeah. <laughs> and so what do you guys do practically that helps you sustain that culture? Yeah. So a couple of things. One is we have a weekly family meeting and we do read the mission statement, but it's not like weird. We just, I I make the kids read it so we can remind ourselves again and again of who we are as a family. Um, But in those meetings, we talk about our schedules. We talk about what's going on. We talk about our wins and our losses. Sometimes we talk about what books we're reading. Is there anything going on in the family that we want to address? We'll talk about the meal plan. Who wants a play date? Where do I have to be? Who needs carpools? Like we we put it all out on the table. Yeah. And it's a consistent way that we connect with one another. We it keeps us organized, but it also allows us to see how like integrated we are and and how much how much we need each other to make the family work. And so that's our touch point that every week regardless we do it now after, you know, Zoom church or whatever. Mm-hmm. <laughs> YouTube church, as soon as that turns off, we sit down and we have our family meeting. Mm-hmm. And um it is a way to even teach a lesson if there's something that we stumbled across that we want to like address with our children's character or if we made an observation during the week or we want to check in and see hey guys it's been a while since we've read a book together can someone pick out a book it could be anything but just it's that consistency of meeting together touching base reiterating our values and values is just like your budget Mm -hmm. right so or let me put it this way you know what somebody values when you look at their calendar and when you look at their checkbook. Mm-hmm. So when we're in these family meetings, we're able to look at our calendar and examine it and say, are our values present? You know, we say we're doing X, Y, and Z, Well, where is it on our calendar? Mm-hmm. You know, like even me and my husband, we go back to this marriage idea. Um, we say that we want to cultivate a relationship with your, our kids, but like did, have you have you taken so and so out this month? When can you take her out? Okay, this is when I'll take him out. Mm-hmm. It just allows us to really examine and stay on track. Yeah, and and be mindful of what we're doing as a family. 
Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and it's a way that we have fun together and it's a way we plan fun. We make sure we say, okay, like we haven't, we haven't done a, a day trip in a while. Does anybody want to go anywhere? We haven't, mm-hmm. um, played, you know, let's, when do we want to do game night? You know, does anybody have any ideas for who we want to have over next month? I mean, like we keep these conversations going and we have the kids be a part of them. Yeah. So when they were little, we used to run the whole meeting by ourselves. And now it's been a few years now, everybody has a role to play. Somebody, somebody prays, somebody reads the mission statement and then somebody runs the meeting and mom and dad, we just sit and we just kind of facilitate oh, and make sure that. they stay on track. So it really does give them a sense of purpose and that sense of belonging. Yeah. Another thing that we love to do is family retreats. We do a once a year retreat where it's just, it's kind of like, again, going back to business and organizations, it's a 360 peer review and we rate each other. Mm. We, we, we get, I have, um, I actually offer it on my website. We ask a ton of questions. We ask you to rate one another, like on a scale of one to 10, if you know, how are they doing in honesty? How are they doing in integrity? Do I trust them with my secrets? Are they encouraging? Like mm. uh, we talk about what, do, what is your least favorite thing about your, our family? What is the most favorite thing? Um, and, and we've had actionable steps that have come out of that. Yeah. The first year it was, we're always late. We hate that we're always late. Well, you know what? That wasn't on the list next year. So it's fantastic to get our, our kids feedback. And then because we're open to their feedback, they're open to ours. Mm-hmm. And I even see the siblings are open to share with one another. Like, well, you kind of always do that you know, and they're like, Oh, I know, I know, I know. And you, we just, we, we've created a place that fosters that kind of communication because mm-hmm. even as parents, no matter how much we know, we still have blind spots Yeah. And in order to eliminate that, we need to get feedback. So that's been really amazing because again, our conversations that we have, as we're having these feedbacks, they point back to our culture, they point back to our values, they point back to the things we're passionate about. And it's just another time to check in to say, hey, we say these things are important, but are they showing up in our lives? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. How do you create a sense of safety with honesty like that? Because I mean, if no one took offense, I'm sure, you know, like it would be a whole other story, but we're, we're human. And so we take yeah. offense sometimes. But how do you create that safety so everyone can be honest? Honestly, we haven't had much trouble with it. And I think it's because, so when I do these retreats, I, I spread them out over the course of two to three days. Mm -hmm. We will go to a hotel with a Groupon, even if it's 20 minutes from our house, as long as it has an indoor pool and (laughs) buy an ice cream shop. And we will schedule these discussions in between the activities that we're doing together. Mm. And so I think that that has a lot to do with it creating an atmosphere where we're having fun together. You know, it's interesting, even the first year we did it, like there was a knowing, right? Mm-hmm. So like kids know. So when, you know, big sister says, well, sometimes you lie. She, little sister knows she lies. Yeah. yeah. Right. And so I have to be honest with you. I, I think the grown it's, it's, I'm, <laughs> my bigger concern would be how to keep the grown ups from not being offended, not the kids. <laughs> Okay. Does that true, make sense? True. Yeah. 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 For sure. <laughs> <laughs> this morning, my four-year-old told me that I had a fluffy tummy. So I mean, <laughs> I yeah, learned exactly. not had to take offense from my kid. Too. <laughs> <laughs> um, All right. So you did kind of talk about how you include your kids, mm-hmm. but I'm wondering like in the establishment of that culture, if we're going to like right to the beginning, mm-hmm. did you include them in that so that it wasn't just mom and dad's family culture or, or how did you kind of lead them in that process? 
Yeah. So my husband and I, we set our values first. Okay. We decided what the values were going to be for our family. And then we, we, you know, talked among just ourselves, me and him about like what we're passionate about. Right. Mm-hmm. And those kind of got incorporated into sort of the framework of who we are as a family. Yeah. Um, and that included ideas that we're passionate about, but also hobbies and things we want to explore. Mm-hmm. And then we got the kids in on the conversation. Right. So they were six, eight and 10 at the time. And they were old enough for us to start start talking to them about culture. We were able to say, and I probably could have the discussion. So our youngest was six, but even, you know, I think you can certainly have this conversation with even almost a little bit younger than that. Um, We happened to be out at a restaurant and we were started talking about, well, what do you think of when you think of this restaurant? What do you think of when you think of this store? And they know brands, right? Which is really what a family culture is. It really is a brand. It's a team. I know some people might not like that word, but that's exactly what it is. And if you treat Mm -hmm. it like a brand, it will thrive. And so we talked about so-and-so's family across the street. What do you think of when it comes, you know, when you go over there and -and so-and-so down the street. And so they will, if they were able to say, well, this one, she always has the best desserts, mommy. Um, And then the other one was able to say, oh, well, you know, they always fight every, every time we're there. There's the brother and sister always fight and the nanny doesn't do anything about it. And so they know it's always going to be contentious, right? If the siblings Mm -hmm. are home. So kids know, and they've learned what they can expect from certain people, from certain places. I mean, I can't even remember how young my kids were when they knew we were at Staples, not because they could read the sign, but because everything was red, right? Right, so right. No, no brands. And so we got them in on the discussion after we set our values. Mm-hmm. So what they did was affirm some of the things that we were already smart enough to recognize that we love games. We love having people over. We love mm-hmm. to travel, but they were able to build on it and expand on it by sharing not only what they saw in other families, but what they didn't want other people to think of us Mm -hmm. or what they wanted other people to think of us. And so that gave them ownership of our culture. And it also made them feel like they were heard and valued. Mm -hmm. And then it gave us some more insight. Now there are things about culture that will change because of our children. Mm -hmm. Um, You know, I didn't know I was going to be a soccer mom. Right. right. Like if I had have said, we're, we're going to be a music family. And then every one of my kids <laughs> went to sports, <laughs> you kind of have to leave a little bit of that up to them. Yeah. Cause there are going to be things that they maybe don't do that you want them to do, or you envision them to do, mm-hmm. but you can also create um, a family where you care about what other people in the family care about, even if it's not your thing. Mm-hmm, right? So mm-hmm. you can cultivate that respect for one another, even as the practices and some of the things that you do change, but there are certain areas where you get the kids on the conversation and you let them take the lead. Yeah. Yeah. I love that. I love that. My son's four. So, I mean, mm-hmm. I'm hoping in the years to come that we can kind of include him a little bit more into what we've established, but yeah, mm-hmm. I just think it's, it is really, really valuable to have their insight as well and, and develop them into, you know, people who have purpose, right. And yeah. mission. And they'll have great things to say for sure. And like you said, they'll be honest. Yes. (laughs) (laughs) Yes, they will. All right. So I'm thinking about maybe a family of faith that maybe didn't grow up with a lot of intentionality, including faith into their lives, or maybe they grew up in a completely secular family Mm -hmm. and they're wondering like, okay, I don't know how to include faith into the way that we're going to do things. I know we need to do things differently, but I don't know what that's going to look like. Mm-hmm. And so I'm wondering for you, like, how would you suggest to people to start thinking about how they're going to do family a bit different? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Well, one of the things that I like to do when I work with people is to have them do assessments 
Mm -hmm. um, about, you know, where they are so they understand where they're moving towards. So the family discussion sheet that I offer also helps them explore what about your past did you love? What about your past um, did you not like? What do you want to leave behind? What were some of the things that made you feel like home? Mm -hmm. And one of the questions I, I ask is, what was it provided for you that you want to provide for your family? Mm -hmm. So it's that discussion of examining and identifying, you know, maybe areas of dysfunction that you want to walk away from and do things mm -hmm. differently and you want to do it God's way. It could be identifying areas in your life that maybe you didn't come from a faith-filled family, but those things were good. Mm -hmm. You know, you bring, mm -hmm. bring them into your now family. Yeah. So just that idea of examining what it is that you want to bring forward so that you can do it on purpose and not just sort of do what's been done because it's always been done. is really important. Yes. Um, and certainly pray. Like when you sit down to figure out your values, pray before you do it. Mm -hmm. You know, there's so many good values out there. Mm -hmm. And there's not like 10 Christian values and then the rest are not Christian values. Exactly. Like yeah. they're all amazing. At least the ones I'm thinking that people would want, <laughs> would want to espouse. They're pretty amazing. There's so many out them, of them out there. And so what, what you want to do is discover those that are unique to you guys, mm -hmm. that you guys can do together, that you can build into your family together. So pray about what those are and God will show you, mm -hmm. um, you know, allow those biblical principles that you're beginning to learn to guide you mm -hmm. and also get encouragement and, and put from other Christians? What did they do? How did they do it? You know, people that have gone before you or, or, or been Christian longer than you, or have been in faith or been on their journey for much longer, they're able to give you insight. Yeah. And so what I love to say about culture is that, you know, once you establish your values, it's not likely, they're not likely to change. Mm -hmm. You might tweak them, you might refine them, but they're probably not going to change. But how you do family life will change in different seasons and in different times. Mm -hmm. And so be open and flexible to that. You may, you know, have established your values and then you go, oh, I see God leading us in a different direction, or I have a better understanding of God's view on this. So now I'm going to tweak what I'm doing or tweak who we are and, and tweak how we approach our neighbors. Yeah, that's awesome. And then when we're, when we're talking about like faith-filled families. Because mm -hmm. I, I think that there should be, and I think you would agree, like there should be a kind of a, a contrast between culture mm -hmm. and our family culture. Mm -hmm. um, if, you know, Jesus was countercultural. And so what does it look like as we are building our own family culture mm -hmm. and being really cognizant of our countercultural world? Yeah. So Intentionally building culture in and of itself is very countercultural. Yeah. Like true. if I, if I talk to any of my friends, mostly my non-Christian friends, because I guess, because maybe I've been talking to my Christian friends about culture for so long that they're just, they get it. Yeah. Um, but I do find that a majority of my friends who don't have a strong faith or who aren't actively engaging their faith, they're just going with the flow. Yeah. So even this idea of being intentional is so countercultural to begin with. You know what I mean? Right, right. Um, I think there's a lot of power in making decisions and establishing your values ahead of time, right? Mm. And so what happens is that by simply doing that, you're not going to be doing what everybody else is doing. Yeah. You're just not. I mean, there was a time when, 
you know, my son was doing soccer and it's very popular for to do a club team, right? You pay thousands of dollars to be on an elite team. So there's a certain time mm-hmm. of year where it seems like everyone's trying out for these teams. And we started to do that because we're like, yeah, I guess that's what's next. Right. And then right. we realized, wait a minute, let's take a step back. We want to take the kids to Europe for the first time. If we do this, we don't do that. Mm-hmm. We also want to do X, Y, and Z. Then we can't do that. Like we had to step back and look at our values. Mm-hmm. And so making those decisions ahead of time puts you in a position where you'd stop doing what everybody else is doing just because yeah. everybody else is doing it. Yeah. And what's so amazing about that, the incredible byproduct of that is that it eliminates that comparison or that fear of missing out that we often have. Mm-hmm. I still get it, but I have to remind myself, this is what we chose for our family. And we did this on purpose. We're not victims of like suburbia. (laughs) We are choosing to show up where we want to show up. We're choosing to invest our time, our resources, and what we want to invest our time and resources. And we've chosen this path for our family because this is what's important to us. Mm -hmm. There was a time when I stopped volunteering for everything because I'm like, I'm going to focus on my writing. I'm going to focus on like the things I want to do. And I had an opportunity came my way and I was able to say yes to it immediately because it fit in with my core values. Mm. And so what that's done is I don't sign up for the bake sales. I don't sign up for library duty. I don't sign up. And I have the confidence to not feel guilty every time those emails come in because I've chosen how I want to show up in the schools because it lines up with my values and it lines up with who we are as a family. And so you get rid of that comparison, that fear of missing out, um, that in and of itself is so countercultural. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Do you find that that has translated to your kids too? Do you feel like they are kind of choosing to be more intentional or do you see that growing in them at least? Yeah. I mean, what I love about culture is that, you know, we can have a list of do's and don'ts for our kids Yeah, and that's great because they need boundaries, mm-hmm. but culture transcends that. So mm-hmm. when a decision that they have to make is not on those lists of do's and don'ts, they know how to make that decision because the umbrella of culture is informing them. Mm. And so I've seen instances where my kids have had the freedom to say yes to things or no to things because they know it's going to be a yes by the time they get to me. Right. So one of the examples is that I love to share this is that my daughter, when she was um, a freshman, we were at a meeting and they were saying, you know, we're looking for a volunteer to host the freshman lunch. Mm-hmm. Just basically like the whole, the whole team comes over to your house, you know, the, the kids chip in, they, they, they bring dinner and then you have, you know, whatever. She looked at me from across the room, nodded her head. And all I had to do was nod my head. And she raised her hand because she knew that's what we do. Yeah. yeah. So she didn't have to like, she, if I, even if I wasn't at the meeting, she could have come home and she could have said, this is what we're doing and mm-hmm. had the confidence to say, yeah, like this is who we are as a family. Mm-hmm. and so. I've seen it trickle down to my kids. And in fact, um, my daughter wrote her college essay on it Mm. Talked about, you know, how she's seen. So us as a family, we've decided that we want people when they leave our presence to feel nourished. We've chosen Mm. one word. And so that spirit, soul, and body. So that has to do with like our love of food, but it also has to do with our love of hosting connect group or having people over. And so she wrote an essay about the fact that 
that is something that she's going to carry, but she's on a journey to figure out what is the one thing she wants people to feel when they leave her presence. And right mm-hmm. now she wants them to feel, I forget, I don't know if she picked a word, but she used some examples of how she's willing to show up for her friends because that's what she wants them to leave their presence with. Mm-hmm. And this mindfulness of like, every time we interact with somebody, how do we want them to feel? And yeah. that's an extension of our culture. And so if you want to move backwards from there, what are those practices and the things that we do in order to make that possible? Yeah. Oh, I love that example. I think that's fabulous. Cause I mean, I think for every parent, we just like hope and pray that it's years of, of the same message, right. That Mm -hmm. this is important to us and hopefully that they pick up that it's, you know, hopefully important to them as well. And then they, and they're able to take it and adapt it for who they are. Mm-hmm. uniquely on their, on their own too. Oh, I love that so much. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So how do you really include others in your family culture? I'm thinking of like, you know, say at our house, we have, we have us, and then we have our small group who mm-hmm. um, they're all a bunch of young adults and most of them are single. And so we've tried to include them a little bit into how we do things around here mm-hmm. and to kind of disciple them. Yeah. How do you guys choose to include others into your family culture. Yeah. So if you're leaning into this with intention, it's going to naturally be an overflow out of your life. Mm -hmm. It's, it's just like your faith, you know, just like if you are living a life of faith and you have a relationship with Christ, people are going to know they're not going to have to wonder. They're going to say if something's different about you. I mean, I've yet to say, have someone say that to me, but I hear that's what they say. No, but I, 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 I joke, but I do have friends that they don't pray, but if they hit a crisis, they call me. Yeah. They might say, I don't know. I don't know. You know, I don't know about this, but can you just pray? Mm -hmm. You know what I'm saying? So this idea of intentionally creating culture, it overflows immediately into the lives of others. When you have a strong culture, people around you automatically pick up on it. Mm -hmm. Um, Like I mentioned earlier with my kids, they know what they're going to get when they go to my neighbor's house. Mm -hmm. And so what happens is the people in your life, they start to know what they can expect when they come to your house. Mm -hmm. So when people come to our house, we, you know, especially like new people that we're still getting to know, they know we're going to pull out a game. Mm-hmm. Cause that's what we do. We're like, Hey, you want to come over and play a game? And then like, it's gotten to the point where for some reason we didn't ask if they want to play a game. They're like, are we, are we going to play a game tonight? Yeah. And you're like, oh, oh yeah. I was thinking we just feed you, but sure. Let me find a game. Yeah. Um, <laughs> but people also know that if we're doing potluck, that the Amici's are going to come up with something new because my kids love to jump online and look on Pinterest and bring something fun. Um, they know that if they come to our house, we're probably going to serve them food. You know, mm-hmm. for us, food is really important because I think it gives us something to do, especially when you don't really know somebody well, mm-hmm. having a reason and eating and serving them. It's just a great way to, to, to bridge that gap. And so it becomes natural. Yeah. Right. But we're also mindful of it, that that's how through hospitality is how we serve a church. We open up our doors, hospitality is how we love our neighbor. Um, and I know I keep bringing hospitality up, but that's just our thing. Yeah. Yeah. But like, even when we play games, we'll bring a game to someone's house. Like, like if my kids, if we were invited over certain people's houses where I know that we're not going to have a rip roaring time mm-hmm. and my kids might find themselves bored. I say, why don't we bring a game? Mm-hmm. And then all of a sudden we have something to talk about. All of a yeah. sudden we have something to do. All of a sudden they have something to do. And so it just becomes more of an extension. Mm-hmm. 
I think that's great. And it's nice when you know what you're going to get when you go to someone's house, mm-hmm. you know, kind of what to expect. Yeah. Yeah. That's so good. So the last question that I have is there's probably a family or someone that's listening right now, and they're having a really hard time with the culture that maybe has unintentionally mm-hmm. uh, transpired through their home. And so what would you say just as like a last encouragement to someone who's just feeling oh man, I, I don't even know what to do with our family culture right now. Mm-hmm. Um, it's just not working. Yeah. So I've, I have two things. One to just say, pick one thing, mm-hmm. pick one thing. Don't try to overhaul your family culture all at one time. Yeah. I mean, it's great to figure out your values. It's great to figure out your passions, but you can put that aside and just pick one thing that you want to change and get started today. Yeah. It's small steps over time that matter. And The second thing I want to share a story, the little stuff matters, right? When I look back to when my kids were really young, um, my husband was working incredibly long hours. I was basically with the kids all the time. At one point I had three kids under the age of five and a husband that was working 70 hours a week. Mm -hmm. And I was exhausted, tired, but I read somewhere in a book that you're supposed to eat at the table with your kids because (laughs) it's a social you know, it's a social thing, right? It's a social yeah. skill. Yeah. So when my kids were little, even when I only had one and then I had two littles and then I had three, I would sit them down and I would eat with them. Mm-hmm. I wouldn't just give them their macaroni and cheese and their chicken nuggets and then go clean the kitchen for when I can eat my food. Mm-hmm. I would cook my food and I would sit down across from them and we would eat together. And it's something that I did probably because I was lonely too. Like mm-hmm. who wants to eat alone by themselves? I was not <laughs> eating dinner with my, my husband every night. And it's just a ritual that we did. And there were times when they didn't want to eat what I was eating. Mm-hmm. Um, it was frustrating. It was annoying. But one of the best compliments I ever got about my kids when they were still somewhat young was, oh my gosh, when I eat with your kids, it's like eating with grownups mm. because that's just what we did. I yeah. would sit and I would try to entertain these little kids and we would all eat together. Mm-hmm. And I know that the culture I have today in our home where we don't, we eat together all the time. Like Mm -hmm. we've just been able to continue that culture. It's the reason why they're such foodies, which costs (laughs) me a fortune by the way, Um, (laughs) but it's one of the reasons why they love to cook. Mm -hmm. It's one of the reasons why they love serving people food. Mm -hmm. And it was just because I kept showing up in ways that I thought didn't matter. And when it felt like, who cares who's paying attention? They were paying attention. Mm-hmm. And even to this day, it's not, it's weird if we don't all sit at the table. Like mm-hmm. Nobody sit, eats at the island, you know, like my husband's been home during COVID and he tries to eat at the island and we're like, what are you, what are you doing? We sit at the table. <laughs> you know yeah. what I mean? Like, <laughs> they don't want to be on the go. And mm-hmm. when we've had seasons where, you know, somebody had a sport and it fell right in front of dinner, we'd have an early dinner they'd go to sports and then we'd have a snack when we got home. Like Mm. we always made dinner a priority and that's no small thing, but we just, every day we just chose to do it. And Mm -hmm. I'm seeing the fruit of it now in my life. Right. Right. And so when you feel like it doesn't matter, you just pick one thing and you just do it small steps over time and you'll see the difference. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Sometimes you just don't see that fruit for so long and it can feel really defeating, but it, it does show up. It does Mm -hmm. show up. I love that. All right. Well, thank you, Kim, so much for all of your wisdom on this. Um, I'm really excited to hear what people are going to say and how it's going to get them thinking and brainstorming about their values and what their family culture could look like to them. 
As we conclude, there's just a few questions that we like to ask people. And the first one is just what are some resources that you would recommend to us um, about this topic beyond your own, of course? Yes. Um, Okay. So two, one's a family book. It's called The Secrets of a Happy Family by Bruce Feller. And he basically researched a ton of families and found like everybody's best practices and put them all in one place. Oh, cool. I love that one. And a business book, well, considered a business book, but really what sparked my interest and journey in this area was Start With Your Why by Simon Mm. Sinek. So it's typically a business leadership book, but it really does. um, I think there's so much power in why when you understand why you're doing things, you're very motivated to keep showing up. You're very motivated to make it happen. Mm -hmm. And your values are essentially your why. When you understand your why, when you understand your values, you have the fuel you need to run your race. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, awesome. Okay. We'll make sure we put those in the show notes. Mm -hmm. Second question is what is a spiritual practice or discipline that you have found really life-giving right now? Okay. So, um, I used to stress out and I still do sometimes about like having the perfect devotion time. Mm. (laughs) Sometimes relatable, very relatable. (laughs) Yes. So I have just switched it up. I have given myself permission to switch it up and I'm really, really enjoying it. So what I do is as soon as I get out of the bed in the morning, I go for a run. Mm. Right. And I feel like there was a time when I was like, Oh, I can't put my exercise before God, (laughs) (laughs) but what I've been doing is I will run to worship music Mm. by the time I get home. And I'm talking like, like fire, like, like people will see me and I'll be running down the street going, yeah, yeah, like like, like fired up worship (laughs) music. And I like the slow stuff. I need like the really good stuff. Um, but by the time I get home, I'm like, so ready to dig in, Mm. you know, like, whereas if I listen to worship before I read my Bible, when I sit at home, I am distracted by so many things. I'm looking at the kitchen and I'm maybe writing something down that I can't get out of my head or, you know, but if I, I just, I, all of a sudden now I have this non-distracted time. And and then while I run, I'll pray. Like if something stirs up within me, I'll start praying about whatever it is while I'm you know, it's six in the morning. So hopefully no one's seeing me talk to myself, but yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it's just been really life-giving to then come home and read my Bible because I feel like my heart is already in a posture that's ready for it. That might change come when we have shorter days. Cause right mm-hmm. now it's so mm-hmm. bright and in the morning. Um, but for now that's working for me. Oh, I love that. I love that. I was telling a friend not too long ago, I have a hard time knowing when to work out because well, part of it is that my husband has to be at work by six. And so mm-hmm. I can't really leave the house to do anything in the mm-hmm. morning, but I'm like, well, I like to start with my coffee, but then I find, I can't work out while I, on coffee. Like I should be having a glass of water. And then, like, <laughs> I make it way I more know. complicated. <laughs> I know <laughs> I do the same thing. Uh, all right. Because we are at faith school. Mm-hmm. If you could assign one piece of homework to my listeners, what would it be? Okay. Um, so download my family culture discussion sheet. <laughs> yes, that's right. Um, yeah. Just answering those questions keeps you moving in the right direction because you've named it, right? Yeah. Like once we name it, I mean, even the word of God says that, like God spoke things into his existence. Once we determine what our values are and start to include them in our language, we're going to see change. We're going to, there's yeah. going to trickle out of us and trickle down. And so answering those questions, having those conversations with your spouse, and you can even answer these questions on your own and have a huge impact on mm-hmm. your family. Um, a lot of the early work that I did with my kids that shaped our culture, my husband just wasn't around for. Right. Um, and so it's possible to shape your culture, even if you're doing this work on your own. Mm-hmm. And that kind of, if I could add just one more question. Yeah. 
I feel like there's a lot of women who, who are going to be listening who are like, yeah, but I just don't know if my husband is going to buy into this. Mm-hmm. So you're saying like, just kind of start anyway on your yeah. own and yeah. then see what happens. Like what, what would yeah. you, so when I first determined my own personal values, mm-hmm. I was working with a life coach. And so I did it on my own. Okay. I, I yeah. she, you know, one of the first things she did was what are your values? And I'm like, I don't know what are values. Oh my gosh. What do you mean? I have to pick five. Like mm-hmm. I can't do that. But as I started to, once I determined my values, once I determined my non-negotiables, what were the things I was going to do every day mm-hmm. um, so that I felt good about that day? You know, what, what was I passionate about and how, how was I making it, you know, time for it in my calendar? I changed mm. and my husband noticed Yeah, and it had an impact on him. I mean, I would say in general, my husband's been open. He's, you know, he hasn't fought me on any of these conversations, but honestly, I'm the one doing the follow through. Right. I'm the one that's making sure our house has these things showing up in them. I'm the one that's making sure um, these touch points are happening with my children. I'm the one that's making sure that things are getting done. You know, that responsibility has fallen to me. And so for many, many years, um, he wasn't a part of that. He just, you know, trusted me with that. And then, you know, I took the lead and I just kept going. I didn't, I, I did spend a lot of years waiting to have that cheerleader and that support and that buy-in. But I did have someone challenge me and say, if it's so important to you, why don't you just do it? Mm -hmm. And it was Mm -hmm. so challenging. And I'm like, you're right. You need to just do it. I mean, I wasn't doing anything that he was in opposition to. Right. I was just choosing to not wait for somebody to buy into that idea with me. Mm -hmm. Oh, it's so good. Well, thank you so much, Kim, for everything. Um, As we wrap up, if there's anything, last thing that you want to share with us, that now is the time. <laughs> well, I guess I just think um, that we just, as mamas, we have so much influence on our children. Mm-hmm. And if you're struggling, pray about it. I mean, God can give you such practical things. He can bring things to your mind and you can do this work. You can have a positive impact on your family. Mm-hmm. You can point them to Jesus and you can lead them. Yeah. Oh, beautiful. Thank you so much for everything. Really appreciate your time. You're welcome. Okay, who is ready to get serious about family culture after that conversation? If you loved what you heard here, make sure you give Kim's podcast a listen, Build Your Best Family. It is a wealth of knowledge for you and your family or your future family. And make sure you say thanks to Kim by commenting on our social posts or tagging her in some of your thoughts on Instagram. I'm sure it would mean the world to her. Okay, next episode is really, really special to me. We are continuing our culture series I have one of my dear friends and one of my mentors, particularly in the area of kingdom building, Lorraine Taylor on the show. We're going to be talking all about cross-cultural ministry, specifically our immigrated friends of other faiths and backgrounds. It's a really powerful, powerful episode. So I want to make sure that you click follow on your favorite podcast player so that you don't miss a thing. If you want to catch me on the socials, you can find me at at leah.rempel or at faithschoolpod on Instagram or in our Facebook group, Intentional Women of Faith. I am happy to continue serving you on those platforms. Thank you for spending a little time with us today at Faith School and I-68 Ministries. We are praying that you feel fully surrendered today to the God who made you, loves you, and wants to partner with you. Class is now dismissed. Go out there and build his kingdom. <laughs>